Oh yeah, 99th episode, it's so good! Well, welcome, everybody, to a very high-energy 99th episode. There was a tag team named High Energy in the 90s. It was Owen Hart and Coco Beware. I think I know what that sentence means, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> I always see you tweeting out stuff that I think is about wrestling, and but I have no context for it, and it is like a foreign language. I think just kind of like almost any hobby develops its own words and language and stuff but yeah it's it's bizarre to me wrestling is still just a a completely foreign nation and i do not speak the language i do not have a stamp on that passport it's just like when people tweet about like soccer or you know football as it's known everywhere but here actually i believe it's football that's great it's just like people come in to you know order coffee and a croissant it's like you, you you said coffee like you know with with this accent don't like suddenly have a French accent because you're saying croissant. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean because when I worked at Pete's Coffee in college, there was this lady who would come in and order a coffee and a croissant. Yeah, <laughs> and, and she's like, "Well, I visited France," <laughs> and it's like, "Okay, I get it." <laughs> it drives me nuts to places when uh, like a chocolate croissant is uh, a pan au chocolat, mm-hmm. and that's what they call it, rather than calling it a chocolate croissant. So then I got to say those words. I'm like, but I feel stupid saying them because I'm like, you cannot say pan au chocolat without, you know, at least trying to do a little bit of an accent. You got to <laughs> just know. lean into it. It's like, so would just you like a pan au chocolat? Yeah, exactly. Just let the words <laughs> tumble around in your mouth. But yeah, anyway, so people tweeting about soccer, um, and it was funny too, is like typically when people are tweeting about sports while watching it, they're not giving any context. They're just like, damn it. And you know, mm-hmm. how did they do? And especially when they use like terms that are specific to that sport and you're just like, what are you talking about? It's like, I know enough to know that they're talking about soccer and I uh, know enough to know that I don't know what they're talking about. Well, that's, I guess, like half the tweets in the world, right? When everyone's all upset about something, but you have no idea what they're actually upset about, you only see the tweets about expressing their rage and yeah. discontent at something. And the other half are well, actually, tweets. Uh, I'm reevaluating my use of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, you know, it really felt different in the early days. It felt more fun, <laughs> and maybe just the world was better so people weren't so crazy and upset all the time and maybe it just is a truthful reflection of our our state of the world but i don't know i think that there's some maybe some sort of amplification circuit going on there yeah i I think it's just that um people that feel seen by making noise regardless of what they think will find a way to find new things to do that with so it's like over time the people that can go on twitter and be jerks to people and get attention because of it they don't care what kind of attention they get they just want attention will eventually slowly flood that and the problem is is that if people 
ignored those people, they'd go away. But everybody has to, like, fight self-righteously. Like, you can't say that. You're wrong. Or that's rude. Or whatever. It's like... They, they fall right into the trap. And a lot of times they even know they're falling into the trap. Like, there's one time I even called out, a, like, a Twitter friend. Um, not called out, called out. But, you know, just, like, pointed out, like... When you retweet somebody who is behaving in that way, you're giving them what they want. So, like, screenshot it if you have to. But, you know, like, don't give them the spread they want. And they were just like, no, nah, it's just the way I do it. It's like, all right, well, I mean, you're literally creating the world you don't want by doing that. But but maybe they do secretly want it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's true, too. People like arguing with people, too. You know, if, if uh, you can argue with people and feel like you're in the right and you like to do that, then I guess that's, uh, that's what Twitter's for now. It does seem like it's become this weird, massive multiplayer online game in a way (laughs) and the game is just terrible world or something like that (laughs) i don't know (laughs) it's like when they had games like bully or stuff like that they're basically games where you're like you know the goal is to be a jerk this is just you know like the um the phone app version of one of those games oh man i never played that game bully i that's the one where it's like it was by the people that made Grand Theft Auto, right? Yeah, I never played it either. It was always on my radar, but I never actually played it. Yeah, I think I got it at some point because it was either free or a dollar or something like that. And I started to play it, and it was just clunky. I'm sure it was awesome when it came out on the original Xbox or whatever, but Mm -hmm. now the gameplay was just clunky and slow, so I... After five minutes, thought, nope, this isn't giving me instant satisfaction, so I'm going to stop playing it. And Rockstar games were all kind of based on being uh, boundary pushing for content more than anything else. I mean, the first Grand Theft Auto games were like ugly, awful games, you know, it's like they weren't the smoothest play, and they upped that over time, but um, it was all about, you know, being edgy and being able to act in ways that you couldn't act. So, I mean, you know, bully kind of makes sense for that. And then they got to making, uh, I mean, they they developed themselves, but then by the time they made like Red Dead Redemption, it's like, all right, that was a good game. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like Red Dead Redemption is the best games they've made. Yeah. They, I don't know. I tried to play Grand, Grand Theft Auto V is the most recent one, right? Uh, I think so, and I think that it's been around for a long time, and they just keep on, like, adding more to it, rather than making it... It's like it's become one of those games that just continues on with updates, rather than, mm-hmm. you know, making a whole next version. Um, you know, like, I don't know, Minecraft, or something like that. It's like, there's never gonna be a Minecraft 2. They're just gonna keep on, you know, putting out updates for Minecraft. Mm-hmm. That's what Grand Theft Auto V feels like now. Yeah, I... You know what I, I think I realized that I really don't like in games is I don't like swearing. And there's a lot of games lately where it seems that all the characters in the games, both the, like your player character and the cutscenes, and all the non-player characters are F this, F that and blah, blah, blah. And it, 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 it I find it frustrating because i just Mm. don't want that when i'm playing a game and i think that that's that's one of the reasons why i 
Grand Theft Auto V was a big nope for me. And I think it's also partly why getting into Cyberpunk 2077 has been so hard. Because it's mm. just, it's just, I don't know, it's it's weird. It's just vulgarities, blah, 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 all over yeah. the place when I'm playing. It's just, I don't know, I don't like it. And you were excited about that game, too. I was, because, like, cyberpunk stuff is right up my alley. I really, I like, in general, cyberpunk atmospheres and themes. Though also, I think one thing I realized is, like, most cyberpunk worlds are just libertarian dystopias. And they they show how... Miserable, the end game of libertarian thought is where it's like, oh, your house is burning down? Well, you can pay this private company to come put it out. <laughs> oh, you need a heart transplant? Well, you better go to the hospital that will pay. You have to pay where you have your subscription for. And it's just like, uh Sorry, we're getting in two in the weeds there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think with myself with profanity and video games, it's kind of, kind of the same way I'd feel about a movie or a TV show. Uh, a while, it's been a while now, but I tried watching Deadwood again. I had watched that when it was a newer show um, and, and loved it. And like I remembered it had a lot of profanity and stuff like that, but then watching it again where it's just like literally they fit as much profanity into their conversation as they can. I didn't even make it through one episode. I was just like, I don't want to watch this. Like this isn't good scripting. This is bad scripting. It's, you know, it's the verbal equivalent of just having like, you know, naked boobs all the time on the screen. You know, it's, it's overkill and not, but not in a good way. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when you get to the the middle of most of those HBO shows seasons, it's like the the beginning and the end have really good story. The middle has graphic violence and nudity, and that's just like it's because they don't actually have a ten uh, a ten episode story. They have like a six episode story, so the the middle four episodes are just like gratuitous violence and sex, and that's it. Um, but yeah, it's the same way with games. Like if if uh, there's some profanity. It doesn't bother me too much, but if it's like every sentence has the F word in it to, you know, make it seem edgy, then it's not edgy. It's just obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's exactly where, where I stand with it. Another game that has no F words in it that I just got is the show 22. It's a baseball game. Oh, I got it because a friend of mine. So there's no swearing in baseball. At least not baseball video games. There's probably a lot yeah. of swearing in actual baseball, though. Just uh, not mic'd up swearing. <laughs> but it's probably all good-natured. And you gosh darn it and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I'm going to shove that bat up your bleep and uh, whatever. I figure my my time frame for getting a PS5 is end of next year for various reasons. I think it's going to come together that by the end of next year, I'll be ready to get a PS5. So right right before the PS6 comes out is, yeah, is exactly. what it's affordable. You know? I, I always think it's funny when people, I mean, I get it, but when people want to get a system as soon as it comes out because they're, they will always drop in price by the time they get attainable, they work out all the bugs, and they actually have some kind of a body of games to get also, like if you give it a couple of years. Um, so I, I, I would always rather do that than get a system right away, but... I also, at the same time, get the people who want to get it as soon as it comes out, you know? I think it's really worthwhile if 
if you're for the type of people that always wants to play the newest and greatest games and especially yeah. if like playing online games because on game online games seem to go quickly where there will be a ton of people playing like the latest call of duty game but mm-hmm. then as soon as the next call of duty game everyone goes to the new call of duty game and people aren't playing the old call of duty game anymore yeah it's just like nobody's playing the show 21 when the show 22 comes out and i know this completely not from experience yet because i just got it okay. um <laughs> but uh so i've been i, I have a, a GameStop membership and each month you get a five dollar certificate that you can use on whatever and i learned you can use that five dollar certificate on a ten dollar playstation network card so you spend five bucks, but you get a $10 PlayStation Network card. So I've just been doing that because it's like I don't want to go in there and buy a new game every month and save five bucks because I don't play through games quick enough, you know? Mm-hmm. So that built up to 60 bucks, and I had to sit in there. I was like, all right, so I'm going to either wait till uh, I'm ready to get a new game to play or wait till there's something that's just like, I got to have that. And then a friend of mine, we were texting about the sports that are going on right now. And she mentioned um, the game, the show, and I was like, "Oh, you play video games?" And she said, "Yeah, she has. She plays that in Red Dead Redemption too. So obviously, she has good tastes." So I, I was like, "If I get this, will you actually play it with me?" Because last time I got a game to play with a friend online, they never had the time to play. But hmm. they legit didn't have the time to play. They they have a b- very busy uh, career. Sorry, Paul, um, I just don't have time. <laughs> son of a. Uh, as it was my other friend who was in the Coast Guard. So you like, know, why he has, do you have another friend? You're. <laughs> I, I have a grand total of like three. Your friend, and most of them are out me. of state. <laughs> but anyway, so that's why I got the game. But what's kind of fun about the game, because I started playing it, and it's like you either just play like a franchise or a season or a game or whatever. But usually with sports games now, at least as far as I'm concerned, what makes them the most fun is the kind of little niche gameplay modes. So like on Madden, I like playing Madden Ultimate Team, where you build your team by completing challenges and getting cards, and those cards are your players. Kind of like, you know, it's a mix between a sports game and playing like Magic. Mm-hmm. And this one has a a mode called Road to the Show, where you create a player, and you're starting out in the minors, and you basically only play the parts of the game that that player affect. So even for fielding, where, like, logically your player, if they're on the field, they're a part of the game the whole time, you only actually skip to the part where you have to do something if the ball gets hit in your direction in the game. So you're not sitting there waiting and waiting and doing nothing as everything else happens. So it's kind of... It, it keeps being gratifying because the part that you're doing is a part that you're active in the whole time. That, that would actually, <laughs> I'm thinking about the opposite case. If you had to play a character who's just the right fielder and like most of the time they're just hit, watch, <laughs> yep, <laughs> hit, watch, hit, watch. And then like once every other inning, Ooh, a ball's coming my way. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's nice because it cuts all that out. And you can pick, you could be any position. You could be the pitcher. Like, you know, you choose what position your player is when you get it started. And then based on how you play, like every action you do successfully will up certain stats. And then you can do like training in between and stuff like that. So you, you build up your player. So like the ideal of it, I haven't played it very long yet, but the ideal of it is you start out in like the bottom of the minors and you work your way up until you're a major league ball player. And then you can kind of keep going and going. So like you can play this character basically through their whole career. Um, so I know one person that works with me, we've talked about it. And like, he'll usually like play a character for a long, long time. 
Um, so it's just it's kind of interesting. I've just kind of gotten started with it, but um, no f words in that though. That's good. Yeah my my media consumption has been pretty low lately. Believe it or not, <laughs> I'm sure you can believe it. Uh, one thing I did start reading though is the criminal books. Ooh, yeah, those are good. And by Brew Baker and Sean Phillips, and yeah, those are fun. What what I'm realizing is that they're just like good stories told really well. You know, yeah, because they're just they're all like crime genre stuff. And there's no, like, it's not like reading Sandman where you can extract a lot of of personal meaning out of the story. It's more of just, well, here's a good, interesting story about criminals trying to do a heist and who's going to double cross who and how things are going to go down and what are the twists and turns and stuff and what little bit of info is going to be relevant in the end, how it all plays out and stuff like that. So it's just fun, well-crafted stories. And it just made me kind of think about that in terms of like some stuff I read to try to extract a lot of meaning or like what this is about and stuff like that out of it. But with those, I don't think that there's, too much to really extract along those lines it's really just about enjoying a really good well-told story and yeah that's kind of fun and interesting and one thing i like about them too um the series i've tried to get into and i think i can only take it in small doses is the thing is uh stray bullets by david lapham Hmm. Mm -hmm. um if i said his name right um I feel like the difference between those two where they, they deal with similar subjects of, uh, you know, the criminal element, you know, and uh, everybody's shady and stuff like that. The the Brubaker stuff doesn't feel so depressing. And the, the, the Lapham stuff is just, uh, it's the worst of people, you know. Just super depressing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, even reading the, the hero trade stuff, the, the bad idea stuff that he did. Um, or I guess he drew and Kent wrote, right? Mm, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wow. It's like, even that stuff is like pretty much, you know, grimy into some pretty negative stuff. Um, so you could like, he sees influence there. Um, but it's also, I, I think it might be that it's one of the, the books that feels better reading it in physical format rather than digital, you know, and I've been reading it digitally on hoopla where I'm basically checking it out digitally from the library and you don't feel the same sense of completion for one. Plus, I think his art, like, it just, it looks better when you're looking at a page than rather than looking at digital. Uh, and some art, I think, is definitely that way. But I think it's the kind of thing, at least for me, it's like taking kind of in moderation. You can get what what you're meant to get out of it. But if you're trying to read through too much at once, which I think that's why physical is better. Digital, I feel like you always like you're trying to just read through as quickly as you can, basically. I think trying to read through too quickly is just kind of too much for me on it. And I didn't feel that way with criminal. Like I read through criminal so quickly cause it just was so enticing, you know? Yeah. So far I, well, I started with all my heroes have been junkies, which is mm-hmm. a standalone one shot book, but set in the criminal universe, which is kind of weird because it's maybe like the fifth or sixth story or something like that. 
in the whole the criminal universe so it was maybe a weird place to start but i i really liked it just because it kind of demonstrated their storytelling ability and how well that team really can just tell a a a really good tale and then i jumped in at the beginning of criminal and i've read the first story arc called coward which is about a guy who is known for being a coward and that's why he never ended up in jail because he always has a way out of every plan and every heist he always thinks about how he can run and escape and so people have kind of thought of him as a coward and then so as a result he he gets dragged back into the life for one last heist and of course nothing goes like it should and the things about his nature both end up working in his favor and against his, him and it just kind of a good criminal story story about criminals like that yeah i'm trying to look through um they've done a lot of other series together and let's see yeah because to... they also have done was it fatal is another one that they're well yeah, known fatal for. um they did one called the fade out which i think the fade out's the one that i read fatal i don't think i read all of yet but the fade out was really good um they have um, like a, a one shot or a original graphic novel called Pulp that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, they also one of the one that I read actually before I read Criminal at all was um, Killer Be Killed, and it was still in the process of, of coming out. That one, what I read was pretty good. I, th- I would like to like go back to that one from the beginning. But basically, like, Brubaker and Sean Phillips, they're one of those pairings that, if their names are both on it, if you like Criminal, you're going to like it. And, I mean, there might be some that, you know, don't hit quite as high water of a mark, but um, it's just, they're reliably good storytelling. It's similar type of storytelling, even with di- those different, you know, subject matter. Um, so it's, if, if you like what they've done together, any one thing that they've done together, you're it's a safe bet to try anything else that they've done together. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm realizing is that these aren't going to be stories that change my life in any way because of how deep and meaningful they are, but I'm going to just really love reading it. Yeah. And it's just going to be very entertaining to read and a really good, satisfying story at the end of it. So I'm pretty on board. I I think I bought a Humble Bundle with a ton of their stuff, so I've Mm. got a lot to, to get through. Yeah, there's humble bundles with image stuff tend to cover like so much. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I have so many humble bundles that I've forgotten what all I have. Yeah, there's newer ones that'll come out. Be like, oh man, that one would be good to get. And then I'll remember the like six humble bundles that I haven't even touched yet. Yep. Uh, I'm like, all right, maybe I won't get this. Uh, and one thing, like I, I don't know uh, if you have a library card or if you've checked it out, but Hoopla actually covers a lot of image stuff. So a lot of times I'm like, this would be a cool humble bundle. I realize that. I can read it all on Hoopla, and it's it's easier because it you're just like going on the app and downloading it from the app. So it's not like Humble where you have to like put it on your computer and then transfer it to your tablet. Um, not that that's the hardest thing, but it does create like an extra step. So you can't just spur of the moment be like, I'm going to read this and click a button and it's there. Um, but then also, yeah. I mean, just even though it's not a big cost to get a Humble bundle, it still is is a cost. And if you're if you're going to get it because it'd be nice to read, but you're never going to read it, then that's, you know, not, not well spent money. Yeah. But they're still tempting. <laughs> I've never used Hoopla. 
and I actually just don't have a library card, but part of it is I just, I have so much to read here that I'm not, I don't really have a lack of stuff to read. It's, I really just have a lack of time to read it. Yeah. Um, the nice thing with Hoopla for me, it's not about finding new, like finding content because I don't have content. It's it's more like it gives me a chance to try out new things without buying them. Um, so like you, I mean, we we're just talking about criminal. You didn't like was criminal sitting on your shelf and then you read it, or did you something drew your attention to it and you wanted to read it? Well, I bought the my heroes have always been junkies hardcover book just kind of mm-hmm. on a whim. I think that there was a sale at my comic shop or something like that. So I would just decided, well, I'll, I'll pick this up and check it out. And I had bought the humble bundle a long time ago and just never got to it. So I finally got to that actual hardcover book and read it. And then I realized, oh, okay, I've got this humble bundle. Usually if there's a humble bundle and it's something I think, yeah, I'd be interested in that someday. I get it just because it's, there's such absurd values where it's yeah. like, <laughs> here's 30 collected volumes for $25. It's, it's kind of like you have to read two of them in the end for it to be worth it or something like that. So I just, if it's something I know, Oh yeah, that's something I would like to read at some point in my life. Then I just get it because it's when I do want it, it's just, it's worth it to, to have it sitting there waiting for me. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot of reading to get the value out of it. Yeah. Um, Okay. So in this case, like it was stuff that you just had there. Um, So for me, like having humble bundle or not humble bundle, gosh, uh, hoopla, it's sort of, for one, it, it gives me an opportunity to think harder about if there's a humble bundle that seems appealing because a lot of times the stuff that's in humble bundles is also accessible on Hoopla. So I can read it without having to spend, you know, 30 bucks for something that I might just kind of forget and let sit there. Um, so that's one plus. But two, like they have some pretty darn new stuff on there. Like there's, depending on the publisher, some stuff like as, as soon as it's been out just a little bit, it's available on Hoopla. So I can check out new things that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, ultimately for me, it's less about, like, I need more things to read because I don't have enough and more about, like, trying new things out or reading something to kind of mix up reading from the stuff that I have because the stuff that I own tends to be more in the same vein, you know? So mm-hmm. kind of gives me that variety. But, like, it, it there isn't much, like, manga on there. So, like, I own a lot of manga because when I've come across series is that I know I'm interested and really want to read I've tended to just buy those up because uh you know with manga it's like they could just go out of print and disappear uh in the United States because you know it's like here they have to be really successful for them to keep printing them and on top of that through the pandemic the paper shortages and and you know like all the things that have affected publications of stuff some stuff will stay out of print for quite a while and then come back but you never know if it even will or not so it's like I kind of have like that side of things covered with stuff that I've I've bought, um, and then with hoopla, it's like I don't I don't feel compelled to buy um, American comics unless it's something that I really end up liking. You know, like uh, I read something is killing the children on hoopla, and I'm tempted to buy the hardcover of it, but I also like I still haven't yet because I keep on thinking, am I going to reread this or was it a one time read for me that I just really liked? 
And I'm also trying to get out of that habit of I really like something, so I need to to own a nice copy of it. When I know good and well that more often than not, I'm not going to read it again. You know? Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing because then it, it, it kind of gets into this question of are you buying it to read it or are you buying it to collect it? And yeah. if collecting... Uh, I don't know. I think my views on collecting have, have changed a bit where I, I tend to, I want to collect stuff that I think has some value to it in some way. And if, all, if really the value is it's a story that I like that, that doesn't quite, isn't quite enough for me, I think anymore. Yeah. It's like, unless you know, it's a story you're going to want to read again and again, um, and that's one thing that for me when I discovered manga was great because before that I was basically like I would want to buy stuff kind of just to buy stuff but you know like I would I didn't want to buy stuff just to read it when I knew I could read stuff very inexpensively in other ways because that can cost a lot of money and it just like that wasn't where I was at anymore I didn't want to get monthly comics anymore I was still doing some then but like I didn't want to be spending bunches of money just because you know I wanted to have stuff to read when there's better ways to have stuff to read if you don't want the other dynamics of those things. When when I discovered manga, it's like, then I was like, oh man, these are stories that I haven't read before that I want to read. So instead of like buying uh, the collection of Fear Agent, because I really liked Fear Agent, I've actually read that series through twice. And so I ended up buying um, the trades that collected it because they did a new publication of it. Because I was like, oh, I really like the story. This way I could have it on my shelf. I could look at it whenever I want. I could read it again when I want. I never read it again. I actually resold <laughs> them to somebody else because I was like, these these were good stories, but I'm not likely to read them again. I'm, I'm so very much a person that I would rather experience something new than experience the same thing again, you know? Gotcha. Okay. Um, I don't I don't rewatch movies often. I don't reread books often. Like it, there has to be a, a good gap of time, and there's the rare exception of something where I, where I just love it so much that I want to experience it again, um, and that usually even takes a specific type of story. Like if the story is kind of about the reveal, uh, I it, reading it again isn't gonna do me much good right away. Uh, if it's about just the feeling of what you're absorbing, then that's different, and sometimes you know I can re-experience those quicker. So is there stuff that you do go back to all the time? Oh, that's... Because there is for me, because I've been rereading G.I. Joe comics. Mm-hmm. And that's just been something that I read sometimes at night, like before going to bed, is I'll just read some G.I. Joe comics, the old Marvel run in particular. And I just will revisit it over and over and over just because... I enjoy it, and it's easy to to read. Did you read those as a kid? Yes, yeah, I did. So I thinking about. I wanted to take a second to think about how I was going to answer this, and I think that. Well, I should say I, I read some of it as a kid. Yeah, but en- enough to have a connection with it, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So for me, I didn't read comics as a kid, and I think that my re- my thing that I would relate to that would be watching wrestling, because watching wrestling, I can go back and watch the stuff that I watched when I was a kid, and um, like, you know, having Peacock, WWE Network, like, closed down on all their contents on Peacock, so having that, I can go watch, like, the old WrestleManias or whatever, 
And like that's stuff that I'll go back to and revisit. I watched it as a kid. The stuff that I specifically watched it as a kid is the stuff that I could just put on and it just like kind of like eases my mind. It's something that I've experienced before and it's like I kind of, you know, tie my feelings to it into the feelings that I had to it as a kid. So it's just like kind of how I think that's the equivalent of that going back to the well on something that just made you feel good as a kid, you know? For comics and books, uh, I mean, Sandman, for example, I had tried starting to reread it many times, and, like, now we're going through it, and honestly, if we weren't going through it, I don't know if I would keep pushing through it, even though, like, I can read it and be like, I know this is good, I'm not feeling the same way I did about it when I first read it, and that's been over a decade ago. The the only, like, book book I could think of that I've read multiple times, um purposefully and in a uh, smaller time frame was a hundred years of solitude by uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Hmm. Um, I've read that book three times and that's like, there's a few other books I've read two times and it's, it's, it's rare for me to do that. That's an interesting one to have read three times. Yeah. It's a great story. It's uh it's a lot going on. Very dynamic has, um, you know, fanciful elements in it. Um, it's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for comics, like I'm, I'm rereading Sandman with you. Um, and even then, like going through it, I'm, I keep on asking myself, once I finish this, like, do I really love this enough to read it again? Like these hardcovers I've gotten, like, do I want to keep them or do I want to sell them? Like, how much does this actually mean to me? And I'm not sure. Uh, I think I'll be more likely to keep them just because they've kind of been a staple for me. But I don't know. You know, I don't know for sure. I think you should keep those ones. Yeah, I mean, I've honestly been having the same debate with the Ninja Turtle IDW hardcovers. And I think with that, like, the, the question I ask myself with with that is, if I didn't own these and I saw them, would I want to buy them? And I think the answer to that is still kind of leaning on the yes side. Because I like Ninja Turtles and anything Ninja Turtles catches my eye. Uh, and, and I think about if I would like to own it or not. Mm-hmm. And if I got rid of them all, there's no chance I would do that again because it would be you know very cost prohibitive. Um, yeah, it's like, it, it's the easier access you have to something, the, the easier it is to devalue it also, but then also it's easy to, when you own something to overvalue it and never get rid of stuff that you don't actually care about. So it's like, that's always kind of a, a constant debate, um, especially with something that I'm not actively using, you know? So like the internal books, I'm on the second one. I've been on it for a long time. It's interesting. And there's, cause I've, and you've probably done this too, but I've gotten rid of a ton of stuff that I've had over the years and some of it, I really regret getting rid of and some of it. I don't regret at all. And I just never think of it again. And it's interesting because I think, I think about the things that I regret getting rid of. Like I regret getting rid of my giant size X-Men number one (laughs) many, many years ago. And I regret getting rid of all my Silver Age Green Lantern books that I had. And so there's there's stuff like that that I regret. But then I had just hundreds of Superman comics and hundreds of Batman comics and just, just hundreds of DC comics in general. And I don't regret getting rid of those because I just had long box after long box after long box of just just runs of action comics and adventures of superman and batman and wonder woman and green lantern and the flash and all the stuff like from the kind of post-crisis up through the 90s era 
and I don't regret getting rid of almost all of that because it's just, it was just taking up space. And so it's weird when I think about, oh yeah, I always regret getting rid of stuff. I always think about this, there's this, some things that I do regret getting rid of. And I, I don't think about those other things that I don't regret getting rid of. It's kind of interesting in that it's like, it's, you remember the, the painful ones, <laughs> but not the like unpainful ones. Yeah, and one of the things that I've learned is, um, for as much, like, just like you said, we always remember the ones that we regret. Um, if you kind of, if you could actually, like, have a record of all this stuff and you compared all this stuff that you got rid of that you don't regret, or, you know, like, the money you save by not buying comics that you don't enjoy or stuff like that, when you mm-hmm. compare that to, like, the cost it would take to make up a mistake for something you regret getting rid of. I'm pretty positive that that almost all the time is going to be in the favor of like you should opt to get rid of stuff because or to not purchase stuff also because like that fear of missing out feels like more but uh it's actually much much less than the the time you spend, the money you spend, the effort you spend on stuff that you don't actually enjoy. And I know for myself like it's it's been a lot of analyzing that just like, you know, my my time is worth a lot right now. Um and everybody's going to be in a different place with how much time they have and, and, you know, their willingness to spend it on stuff. But with having, you know, a kid that we're doing stuff with and, um, you know, a wife that needs my time and being a a manager at a business and going to school again, you know, I really have to think about, you know, what's the value that I'm spending on something. And that helps me decide a lot. I mean, like playing video games is a great example. If I'm playing a video game after a little while, I'm like, this feels like work, not like fun. It's absolutely not worth my time. I'd like my time is more valuable to literally sit there and do nothing sometimes because I don't get enough of that either. So that, that helps me kind of check and compare, but the, the actual just value of things like, I don't know. It, you still get monthly comics, right? Not uh, very few. Very, very few. few. Okay. So you work down to the very few level. It always blows me away. And it's fine. Like everybody, like whatever works for you, whatever you like, go for it. It's going to be different for everybody. I used to get more comics, but my high water threshold was probably like maybe 20 ish a month. Yeah. That's about where I maxed out at. Yeah. And I mean, that that's a, that's a solid chunk of money. You know, some people, they, they make enough money. It's not an issue and they can, they can buy 40 comics a month without batting an eye. Plus there's ways to get them cheaper. I know that too, but there's so many times that I've I've gotten series and been like I didn't really enjoy this. I've looked back at getting a series and been like I spent X amount of money on it. You know what? Great example was when they relaunched the X Men before the Hickman relaunch, and they had a weekly like ten issue run of it. Yeah, you've told me about this. Yeah, like I looked back at that, I was like, this was a huge waste of money for me. I had and I had to spend it so quickly, so it's not like it was spread out to like four ish bucks a month. It was, it was like fifty or so bucks in the course of two and a half months. Like I could have bought something I enjoy a lot more for that, you know. Yeah, when I was buying a lot of comics, it was at a time when it was just a bunch of ongoing monthly series that I just liked and liked to keep up with, and it felt like. I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, it was a lot easier to just, well, I like this series. I'll just buy it every month and read it. And cool. Like, I like reading the Flash comics right now. So I'll just buy the Flash and read it every month and have fun doing that. And 
but then again, comics were a, a bit cheaper, and it's, it's a lot easier to do that when books are two fifty or three bucks or something like that than when they're five bucks each. Exactly, and even then, like um, I mean, like you mentioned, GI Joe. If you decided to pick up the monthly GI Joe book, even if like it's not exactly worth the financial to you, like just that tie into something that you love gives it more value. Be the same thing with me with Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, like I made the choice with Ninja Turtles at a certain point to stop getting the monthly books because I just like I that just became what I didn't want to do. But I still like sometimes I'll go and catch up on uh, them on Comixology and just like pick up a bunch and, and read them. So I'm like I'm still willing to spend the money on individual books. But two with waiting with that way with Comixology, I was able to get them for two bucks an issue instead of four bucks an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many angles to debating how we go about doing things. Um, but I guess it's all t- tangented off of talking about hoopla. But so like hoopla for me allows me to. Um, to kind of fill the needs that some of those things fill uh, without having to buy things that I don't know if they're worth me buying, you know, and it's checking them out from the library. It's all legit. It's not like people that go on and, you know, use uh, pirating sites and stuff like that. Um, and then if I like something, sometimes it'll open the door to me supporting that creator, maybe by buying what I read. Um, like something is killing the children is a good example where I'm like, I'm really on the fence. Like I, I, I continually want to buy that book because I really enjoyed reading it, but I'm probably wiser to not buy it because I'll probably get it put on my bookshelf and not touch it. But that's going to stay kind of in my mind, and I might stumble across it one day where I'm just in the mood to and buy it. But more so than that, um, the creators involved are ones that I might explore more. You're totally going to buy it, and then you're going to sell it six months later. (laughs) Yeah, but probably for a profit, you know, so (laughs) Maybe, hopefully. Yeah, actually, I sold a bunch of, you know, talking about, like, the American comics that I bought. Like, I, I had all the omnibuses for Mind Management, for um, Fear Agent, um, and there was another one. And I got them because I liked those stories, but I also own them all on Comixology, so I can reread them anytime I want to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the, I got these books, they're nice, but they're just sitting here on my bookshelf, and my level of of enthusiasm for them. Like I still know they're good stories that I enjoyed, but once I discovered manga and opened the world to like all these other stories that were exciting to read, it really kind of changed the dynamic of like, I really felt with, with American comics. Like I was getting to where it's like, I found the stories I liked and it was so hard to find something else to like, I would try other stuff and it would just be like a big notch down where I was like, this isn't crossing the line of being worth it for me. And yeah, it just, it kind of changed the dynamic, but so like I sold all of those for like, you know, a good deal to the people that I sold them to, but enough also that I didn't feel like I just screwed myself and lost all my money on them. So, and a lot of that comes from like with Twitter is like kind of knowing people, knowing your friends and the people I sold them to actually weren't people that I knew. Um, but just knowing people and knowing how people value things, um, you can, you can like adjust your value of those things to make sure that you're not like feeling like you, you crushed yourself, but you know, give somebody else that good value too. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I didn't have anywhere to go after that. <laughs> yeah. I've been getting work yeah. texts too. So I keep on checking on them. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Nothing I got to deal with right now, but yeah. Anyways, hoopla thumbs up. I actually yeah. got it. I, I've been reading a lot lately, but it's been all this scattered stuff. So, like, it's cool, like, talking about criminal with you where that's been kind of your concise focus. 
I've been reading a ton of other stuff. I've been like splattering all over the place and but mostly I've been kind of reading comfort stuff, stuff that's easy to read. Like yeah. I started listening to the audiobook of Lord of the Rings again. And like how many times have I read Lord of the Rings? At least half a dozen. I read them once. <laughs> See, that's that's one that I revisit all the time. And now that I I have the audio, like I've read the physical books multiple times, and now I have the audio books that are even easier to listen to, so I can just pop it on, and it's just comforting because I know the story, so I don't have to really pay attention too much. I can just kind of put it on and enjoy, let the story just kind of wash over me without having to really pay attention. Because even if I miss something, I know what I missed. So it's yeah. it's good and, and fine. Yeah, I think, um, I you know, I've been thinking about like Audible a lot lately too. Um, I think about it off and on because I, I just I have a hard time getting into audiobooks. But there's some things I've really enjoyed listening to. Um, and I found that the things I really enjoy are typically nonfiction books. Because if you kind of zone out for a minute and then come back, like you missed a couple of facts. But you don't, you didn't lose what's going on in the story, you know. So like those typically I like more. Like I was listening through the uh, the Sandman production that they did again. Uh, well, not again. I'm I'm still working through it. Um, I'm like this is this is good, but it still just doesn't feel like quite what I want. And I think like to your point, what you just said is listening to stories that you already know well. I think that's like right up my alley for audiobooks when I need to do something where it's like I want my mind to be distracted enough that I'm not it's not running wild on whatever threads it's grabbing onto. You know, you, you do that and it, it kind of, that's, you know, I mentioned wrestling. Like when I go to bed, I'll put on old wrestling and it, it engages my mind enough to make me stop thinking about other stuff, but not mm-hmm. so much that I can't also just zone out and, you know, go to sleep. Basically. I think that's exactly what you're saying about Lord of the Rings allows your brain to do that. Like here, it, it engages you enough, but not so much that, you know, is keeping your mind active to the point that you can't relax. Yeah. Well, here's to enjoying mindless entertainment or stuff we don't have to think about. Yeah. Uh, it's healthy for our brains. Yeah. All right. Well, I think maybe we wrap this one up here a little early. I need to I think get, we do. to get to. It sounds like we both have stuff simmering in the background <laughs> that we need to get to. Yeah. Will you go simmer your baby some? All right. Yeah. You you simmer your your texts from work. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, good talking to you. You want to outro us? Uh, Yeah. You know where to find all the rest of our stuff and you know where to find us. We're on Twitter. Paul's at Who's Paul and I'm at Bad Deacon. And we'll try not to be as terrible as the rest of Twitter is sometimes. Be a, a bright light for you. Yeah. All my sports teams lost. so I have no negativity until the next season starts up. (laughs) <laughs> okay we'll see <laughs> um and hopefully next time we'll be doing sandman yes that's right i've read it 50 percent of us have read it and 50 percent of us haven't you can... i've read one issue so far maybe okay two. well then you're almost there yeah i'll get there it's really good it is good stuff yeah <laughs> all right everyone we'll talk to you again later <laughs> <laughs>